a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Live election coverage on KSL News Radio. Jeff Kaplan, Boyd Matheson, Doug Wright, live on KSL. And joining us now, KSL News Radio's Dan Bomas is spending the evening covering that fourth congressional district race. Dan, you just heard us talking with the candidates. What are they doing to win votes through the day and into this evening? Well, uh, of course, you heard uh, Kim Coleman talking about her uh, gathering at her home where she has people um, uh, making calls right up and perhaps even past the uh, the moment where they can do anything about it. But uh, Kim Coleman is the only one of these four who has experience in elected office. She's served in the Utah legislature since 2015, and um, uh, she is also the one who uh, won at the convention. Of course, two ways to get on the ballot in Utah. One is to win at the party convention, and the other is to gather a sufficient number of signatures. In the 4th District, it was about 7,000, I believe. And uh, the other candidates have done that. Uh, Bridges Owens also did well at the convention, but uh, uh, the others have gone the signature-gathering route. uh, And uh, they're all, uh, with the exception of Kim Coleman, political newcomers. Now, Jay says he's been doing this for a year, and that's entirely true, but um, they haven't served in elected office in the past. Um, and um, Burgess Owens, of course, former NFL player, and uh, Jay McFarland, Trent Christensen, newcomers, qualified by gathering signatures. Uh, and as you pointed out, uh, Jay was until recently a talk show host on KSL, and uh, Christensen owns a nonprofit venture capital firm. Um, the winner, though, gets the privilege of challenging Ben McAdams. And you can say it was a very close race. The races in the 4th District have always been close. But Ben McAdams has raised more money than all the Republicans put together. (laughs) He has about $2.2 million in the bank. And uh, the Solid Tribune looked at the required financial reports uh, a few days ago and uh, uh, found that Kim Coleman has raised about $575,000. Right now she has $84,000 in the bank. Now... Uh, nationwide, Republicans are going to support whoever wins the nomination tonight because they believe this is a winnable district. Yeah, I, they I believe think, that McAdams is vulnerable. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a, a, a great point and uh, and so important that the uh, whoever the winner is uh, will pivot uh, to take on Representative McAdams in his first reelect, which is always the most challenging, the one that will garner the most attention across the nation. So I don't think anyone is going to have a lack of funds. Uh, rolling into the fall uh, because the national Republicans and the national Democrats are going to dump in big, big money. Uh, and I do have to say, Dan, it is great to hear your voice and it's great to see your face on the screen tonight. And uh, we're glad you're part of our coverage team here at KSL as well. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. From, well, from my is, home in Bountiful. Welcome. <laughs> this this really is a targeted race, as you've alluded to, Boyd. I've been reading some of the articles on it, and just the gut feeling tells you that. I mean, th- this has become what the second district used to be, of course. Correct. And you look at the, the – this is the one shot that really this time round for the federal office that Democrats really have a shot 
and you know they maintain the seat right now. Ben McAdams is is quite popular, but boy, I can remember back to uh, you know Jim Matheson. I remember that first time running for re-election. That was a tough, tough race, and usually. If someone in Ben's position is going to be unseated, or if Jim were to have been unseated at that point, it would be in that first yeah. round. And money is going to flow. How big mm-hmm. a factor do you think the packs are going to be? And some of the uh, interesting money is going to be on this one, Boyd and uh, and Dan. Well, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see who jumps into this. Utah has the unique ability to put as much money as. Well, of course, the federal restrictions do apply, but uh, uh, there's been a lot of money spent in this primary that is kind of unrestricted because Utah doesn't have campaign finance limits. Now, federal races do. Federal races and do. So, That's right. And, and so it'll be Except interesting. Except for that interesting see. money, because uh, Senator Hatch didn't run against a Utah. He ran against Club for Growth <laughs> and spent $10 million doing it. That's right. And, and interesting, Doug, that the, uh, the Club for Growth, of course, is, is on the right, not on the left. So his, his bigger <laughs> exactly. challenges uh, were to the right of the party as opposed to the, uh, the Democrats on the left. And, uh, and, and it is an interesting thing. I, I do think we're going to see money spent in unique ways. Again, within this coronavirus world that we are now a part of, uh, this new now that we're experiencing every day. I Again, I think this is a great test for campaigns and for candidates to prove that they can be innovative, that they can be creative, that they can connect with voters in new and interesting ways. And it makes you wonder, uh, Doug, in particular, can we stretch the party? Can the Democrats stretch their party and get new people in because they are doing things more digitally? Can the Republicans go to uh, a younger crowd than they have historically? Uh, I think there's all kinds of fascinating things that we're going to be talking about and debating in the fall. Uh, And I think there's going to be more than sufficient funds. Good evening. I'm Jeff Kaplan. This is special election coverage on KSL News Radio. I'm joined by Boyd, the host of Inside Sources, and the Deseret News opinion editor, and of course the legendary KSL personality Doug Wright is with us. And gentlemen, it's over. Election day is done. The polls just closed. Wow. Well, that was profound. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's all over. The last pitches have been made, and now it's all done except for the vote counting, and we can only guess how long that's going to take, Doug. You know, every time we've watched that, every year, because when the polls have traditionally closed, all of a sudden, bam, the newsroom goes crazy. People have been sitting on results. You know, we've had, uh, uh, not boycotted, what what am I trying to what, what, what's embargoed? embargoed. There we go. <laughs> embargoed. The embargoed results. We've got things. We've got pollsters, exit pollsters, you know, pacing the hall. And all of a sudden at 8 o'clock, things explode. Boy, not this time around. And even 10 o'clock when by law, this is something I wonder how many people really understand. And Jeff, as I was listening to your show this afternoon, I appreciated the updates on this. This is the law in the state of Utah now, the Utah State Legislature, uh, at 10 o'clock is the bewitching hour. When the first results come out. But even before those results come out, I believe we're joined now by Sherry Swenson, the Salt Lake County clerk, who is presumably counting all those ballots now that the polls have been closed for, what, two minutes, Sherry? (laughs) (laughs) Two minutes, yes. Thanks so much for being here with us. It's a strange year for an election. How has this pandemic affected the election in Salt Lake County? Oh, so drastically. First of all, the legislature went into special session and did amendments for the election code. 
And with that, they passed House Bill 3006. And one of the things that they decided that if we were going to offer anything other than a vote by mail system, it would be a drive up version. So people who came to uh, a location today had to be in a vehicle and we had drive up ballot issuance locations. We had 12 of them in Salt Lake County where they were issued ballot packets, much like the vote by mail ballot packets they received. However, they could not mail the ballots in those packets. They had to take those ballots and uh, deposit them in a ballot drop box in Salt Lake County. So that was one of the changes. Instead of our in-person vote centers on election day, they eliminated early voting, in-person early voting. They changed the date by which a ballot needed to be postmarked and extended it through election day so people could mail their ballots today instead of the day before election day, having them uh, been postmarked the day before in the past. That was a good thing. So uh, they also uh, extended the canvassing period. So because of COVID-19, we now have three weeks to do the verification of all those signatures, finalize the results, present them to our board of canvassers on July 21st at 4 p.m. It sounds like there's a lot of work to do. Uh, really interesting. The early numbers as of this morning, uh, you had re- reported that in Salt Lake County, 129,438 uh, had been processed to that point. Uh, one, give us a, an indication of how you feel about that number. What does that really tell us? And uh, do you have uh, any idea of what's been coming in already uh, through the day? So uh, the other thing, we have to quarantine ballots for 24 hours that are received, but the ones that we've been able to since process, we're up to 151,000. So and that's far. in Salt Lake County alone. Oh. Yes. And we have a lot of ballots that are going to be processed and added with the mail coming in tomorrow. With the ballots that have been picked up from our ballot drop boxes, we'll have a lot more ballots that are going to be quarantined and processed. And we'll do a release tomorrow at 3 p.m. And again, Thursday at 3 p.m. And again, Monday at 3 p.m. Friday's a holiday. So as long as we have ballots to process, we will continue if there's enough of them. Uh, to release results up through that canvassing period. Uh, Sherry, you know, put this in perspective for us. I mean, how dramatic uh, is the result so far? How does this compare to previous elections? And you've been doing this longer than anybody I know. What, what's your gut feeling on this election when it comes to the turnout? Well, I think as far as a partisan primary, June primary, this seems to be a record. I can't even tell you how much participation and Uh, added registrations. Um, Just since about June 2nd, we had an additional over 5,000 registered voters. That's just unprecedented in in a June primary, leading up to a June primary, to have that many new registered voters just in Salt Lake County. The changes, the affiliation numbers, uh, unaffiliated voters dropped by 22,000. And the increase in the Republican Party affiliation was 32,000. The Democratic Party uh, dropped by, I think that number was about 7,000. So 
it, it's very telling that a lot of people are very interested in these high-profile races in the Democratic or the Republican primary. Sherry Swenson is the Salt Lake County clerk. And when you talk to a county clerk on election night, the one thing everybody wants is results. Now, I spoke with the Utah County clerk a couple of hours ago, and she said she should have everything counted by Thursday, that for the congressional district, District 4, and the governor's race, Salt Lake County is going to take a good deal longer. So when do you think we're going to have winners in these races? I think it could take a good deal longer because of uh, the fact that the quarantine of the ballots, the number of ballots that we're picking up from these drop boxes. Um, and again, uh, that was another change with the with the reporting tonight. The legislature, where we normally drop a report uh, at 8 p.m., we can't until 10 p.m. And um, that was because there's an airport post office open until midnight and they were concerned that if people saw the results come out at 8 p.m uh, they might get in their car and drive to the airport post office where they're allowing for the postmark on election day they originally were considering having us wait till 11:59 p.m but they did a, a kind of an in-between and allowed us to report at 10 p.m but unlike uh, elections in the past We'll have that first report. It will include all the vote-by-mail ballots we've processed up to this point in time. But there will not be ongoing reports throughout the night because those used to come in from the vote centers, the in-person vote centers. As those vote centers close down, the poll workers finish their work, and those uh, results or those memory cards were brought back to the government center. We would then release ongoing reports throughout the night, and except for an example in presidential primary we had about 34 vote centers where people were going in person on election day we do not have that so there will be one big report at 10 o'clock tonight and that's it there won't be any vote centers to report on ongoing throughout the night so you won't see another update until tomorrow at 3 p.m so do you get some sleep tonight (laughs) yeah Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Good yes, for you. I mean, I can't even tell you the interest. The interest in this election and answering emails to voters who have uh, uh, and phone calls. I mean, I've been answering emails until midnight last night, ongoing throughout weeks and weeks, just trying to explain the partisan primaries and, uh, you know, let them know whether they were eligible to vote, if they were unaffiliated, if they were registered with another party and so on, just explaining the partisan primaries. Well, thank you for your diligent efforts on behalf of the voters. Salt Lake County Clerk Sherry Swenson, we appreciate you coming on the air. KSL News Time 809. Uh, Boyd Matheson, did you hear those numbers that that (laughs) she just gave about new Republican voters? Yeah, those are are big, big numbers, uh, actually bigger than some of those that we had been hearing about. Uh, But Boyd, are they born-again Republicans? (laughs) Well, I think you, I think you've got an interesting combination. Uh, they said uh, she, she said that there were five thousand new voters. So yep. again, just uh, from unaffiliated uh, joining in five thousand, that's a big number. That the Republican registered Republican uh, voters were up thirty two thousand. Uh, that's a really large number. Now, I, I think that's important as as we look at it in the context of the governor's race. Uh, every polling and every polling firm uh, here in the state and across the country 
really, the narrative has been that the larger that number gets, uh, the better it is for the John Huntsman campaign. If that number remains small, that was better for the Spencer Cox campaign or the Greg Hughes campaign. And so the fact that these are big numbers in Salt Lake County, uh, I think, is a, is a pretty significant number. Now, I'm going to be fascinated to see the breakdown of these new voters uh, and how they actually went in this campaign. That is going to be I know a couple of find them. Out. Jim DeBacchus is a new Republican. Rocky you think Anderson is you a think new they're going to stay? <laughs> For about 20 seconds after yeah. the election. But it is interesting because when you have a race this close, and depending on which, you know, of the, the polling uh, factors you look at, but when you see one that has Huntsman at 30, Cox at 32, and then Greg Hughes is, is trailing, but not, you know, embarrassingly behind. And those are among registered Republicans, though. Right. And when it's all within a margin of error between Cox and Huntsman, wow, the the difference can be those uh, newly born Republicans. Yeah, it, it it really can be. And the other interesting thing, you know, with all of the uh, all the candidates have talked about the technology and how they've had to adapt and use more and uh, more of that. But I have to tell you, I think that the ultimate deciding factor. I think this is going to be like the uh, Salt Lake City mayor's race. Where the polls all went out the the window. In fact, the new Republican Jim DeBacchus was ahead by double digits on the field, a field of six or seven candidates. And I think this is going to come down ultimately to old school, get out the vote. But how? How do you get out the vote when everybody's Well, you don't home? do it the old school way. You do it virtually. You do it the way a lot we're of phone communicating. Calls. That's right. Yeah. A lot of phone calls, a lot of town halls. Uh, but you did still see a few things out there. I saw some out there today, uh, some uh, honking waves uh, happening out there, socially distanced honking waves. That's a new thing. Uh, but a, a lot of those old school tactics. Wait, wait, uh, really wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. What did you just say? Honk and wave? Honk and oh, wave. Yeah. Okay, the Murray Holiday Road today. <laughs> I was going down the Murray Holiday Road, and this happened to be a gaggle of Huntsman supporters, and they were along the road, and they were spaced, and they were wearing masks, and signs were everywhere. And this, you know, the first Honkin waiver I remember in the state of Utah, and there may have been an earlier pioneer, but it was Wayne Owens. <laughs> he turned it into an art form at the entrance to the freeway, holding up the sign, you know, if you support okay, Owens. you honk. know what it is? I work at home, and I'm on the end of a cul-de-sac, so uh, I've never seen this. No honking wave for you. And, and actually, uh, Brigham Young in the uh, first uh, governor's race, it was an oxen wave. Yeah, <laughs> so if he, just... he wouldn't have been territorial governor if he hadn't done the uh, the horn of the oxen wave. <laughs> there know? we go. You know, we talk about Democrats registering in the Republican primary and why and whether they go back and all of that. Let me just ask you one question. Do either of you remember mentioning the name of the Democratic nominee? For governor in the state of Utah once in the hour and a half we've been on the air. No, Chris Peterson's name has not even come up, although I have interviewed him on the Sunday show, and I've had the opportunity to chat with him. And, uh, you know, he's just sitting this one out, letting the Republicans bloody each other's noses, and then he'll focus on November. But you're right, Jeff, not once. And how many Democratic candidates in general have we mentioned? There are a few out there. A few races. Ben McAdams. Yeah, Ben McAdams certainly won. And then their first congressional district, are, are there, I'm trying to recall, there are some primaries there somewhere. There is a primary but, there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, but but again, you know, Jeff, to your point, nobody's talking about Democrats right now, and especially those that are just 
destined to uh, to run in the general election, but yeah. there there are very few. And I, and I do think uh, Chris Peterson in the in the governor's race, um, I think he is. I think he's using this time wisely. He's done a little bit of airtime. He's done interviews yep. uh, with you, Doug. He's been on our show. Uh, here at KSL, and uh, and he's done a few ads, uh, a few TV ads, a few radio ads, mm-hmm. starting to kind of lay out his framing of what he hopes the conversation will be in the fall. Uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, I, I think uh, the more we have a serious conversation in the fall, uh, the more uh, we're going to get voters to the right place. And this really is a critical gubernatorial election. Uh, what's going to happen in the next decade? Utah is uniquely positioned uh, it is going to be leadership, Doug, as we talked about earlier, that is going to matter. And whether that's uh, Chris Peterson or one of the four, <laughs> one of the four horsemen uh, that are in the race tonight, uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But it is going to be a just a critical time. I don't know if there's ever been a more important time in terms of the state being positioned uh, to grow, to prosper, to uh, really do some things in a significant way. And so it's uh, there, there's much, much more to come. You know what? We haven't spoken about the first district congressional race. When you talk about leadership, there you talk about a free-for-all and the question of whether Katie Witt's concert gambit is going to pay off tonight. Well, you know, there there have been some things. I mean, you you look at uh, at Kerry up there. You know, I, I knew him when he... Kerry Gibson. He used to call in on my radio program when he was in his tractor. And that's <laughs> when I first got to know him. Then he became the county commissioner, and then it's... Agriculture now to the point, director. Right, and, and now to the point where he is uh, running for the seat being vacated by uh, Rob Bishop. And, uh, you know, and that's been interesting, too. We haven't talked about that. You know, each one of the gubernatorial candidates has selected somebody very unique, you know, usually a very complimentary the one still that fascinates me is the the right and bishop ticket. That is a truly unique ticket. I've never seen anything quite like it in the state of Utah. And honestly, I've I've asked myself and wondered, you know, how much oomph the uh, the Rob Bishop, a person whom I I know, I consider him a friend and I greatly respect, but I wonder how much oomph that really gave to the right campaign. I'd, I'd be curious on both of your opinions on that yeah i i think the uh the interesting thing because of the the covid outbreak i do think that blunted a little bit of uh, i think the value of having someone like a rob bishop uh on that ticket i think having him out and about in the community uh as someone who's been in congress for nearly 20 years uh who is a recognizable face i think that that probably would have played out a little stronger in a more traditional uh, kind of format and setting uh, because it never really seemed to get as much traction as you thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's an interesting part of the conversation. And uh, as as Rob uh, winds up his time as a representative of the first district back in Washington uh, and comes back home, uh, was, was it would be a really fascinating thing to play out uh, just with his background, uh, with his focus on the state, his previous experience in the Utah legislature. Uh, yeah. He could have been a very interesting lieutenant governor. A very interesting conversation, and it will continue with the Weber County Clerk joining us in just a few moments. First, you're listening to live special election coverage on KSL News Radio. Jeff Kaplan here, along with Boyd Matheson and Doug Wright. Doug, Boyd, I can't tell you how many times that I've turned to my side over the course of this evening wanting to tell a producer, where are the numbers? Get me the numbers. <laughs> but it's reflexive. It's reflexive. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it truly is, and and you you feel like you've you've gone into the the, the gunfight with no bullets here, because normally by now, sometimes honestly, some elections, Boyd, as you know, you you pretty much call them at about eight fifteen, right? And sometimes it'll go till nine. Sometimes it goes into the wee hours of the morning, but almost always the next morning. The vast majority of the races, there's always that outlier. There is that exception, that problem child. And you do have to wait for a little while. But this is really unique, Jeff and Boyd. I've, I've never seen – how many times have we said that? I've never, never seen, seen nothing like it. <laughs> well, and we're old. Yeah. You know, as, as weird as it is for us, imagine for these candidates, these, oh. these, these hardened political operatives who stand behind the candidates, and they have certain expectations of how a candidate runs a campaign – but it's all been torn up, and they've had to start from scratch. Yeah, it, it is a new playbook. It is a new era, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching to see what happens next. What happens as we move past this pandemic, uh, and how does it go? Uh, we've talked to a lot of business folks, and and uh, they've realized that maybe maybe business has jumped up a little bit. Uh, readership has jumped up, or website uh, traffic has jumped up. Uh, but we keep reminding them that uh, you know a pandemic is not a strategy. Uh, and I think for, for both the political parties, they're going to find out the same. Now, we, we've already seen that the numbers are going to be high. This this will likely be a record-breaking late June primary, unprecedented in that, in that fashion. Uh, then the question for each of the political parties and for the candidates themselves is, what's next? How do you sustain that? If you do have a new voter that that voted Republican— how do you make sure that they stay in? Or if the Democrats are down a little bit, what are they going to do to re-engage their forces? So there's a lot of things to look at, not just uh, tonight and tomorrow and the next week. Uh, the politics is going to continue to shift and how the parties adapt because things uh, are not going to stay this way forever. And who's going to be ready for next? That's always the test in politics. Right. It's not about the last election. It's about the next election. I think Boy, when you talk to these county clerks, they just slap their head and say, oh, my goodness, what's next? <laughs> At uh, least but, I can sleep tonight, though, right? I mean, well, I don't think Sherry Swenson's ever had a decent night's sleep yeah, on election. You're right, Doug. Well, yeah. let's see how it's going in Weber County. The county clerk, Ricky Hatch, is joining us live. Uh, thanks for coming on the air with us. Thanks, gentlemen. Nice to talk to you. The deadline to drop off the ballot is passed, and we don't get our first dump of results till at least 10 o'clock tonight. So in the interim, we wanted to ask you about election security, especially with this one being done so strangely entirely by mail-in ballot. So it's the Weber County Clerk, Ricky Hatch, with us. Uh, what efforts are being made to keep these ballots secure as they funnel into your office? Well, oddly enough, and fortunately for Utah, most counties in Utah have already done virtually an all-by-mail election. So we have the controls. They're quite mature. Weber's been doing it since 2015. Our first one was actually in 2013. And so we have great processes, uh, chain of custody, controls, reconciliation points throughout, uh, scanning and unique security features that help prevent duplication or uh, some kind of someone trying to substitute ballots for, for a, a valid ballot. Um, and so it's almost, I'm not going to say business as usual, because it was pretty weird having an outdoor polling <laughs> place today. But uh, it's pretty, our controls for vote, vote by mail are, are mature and secure, and, and they've been in place for several years. Well, I love these terms, the chain of custody and all of the other things that are somewhat in the norm of what we've gone through with mail-in balloting. But did you ever dream that you were going to have to quarantine the ballot to make sure that the COVID virus would die off before you counted it? Oh, 
I had no idea. It's just the, the concept of quarantining anything was really somewhat remote and, and unusual. But ballots, who would have thought? Yeah. How, how are you keeping the, the ballot counters, those that are working so hard within your office, how are you keeping them safe? What's the protocol, the social distancing? How, how does it actually work? Paint the picture for us. Well, we follow the guidelines by the CDC, and they've worked with uh, Department of Homeland Security to come up with election-specific guidelines that we also follow. Of course, whenever someone comes in, we ask them if they've been sick or if they show any symptoms. We take their temperature. We record all of that. And then we provide the proper uh, masks and gloves and hand sanitizer and things like that. The one unusual thing is usually uh, when we have ballots that are being handled, we always have two poll workers, and that's still the case. But usually they're right next to each other. Now they have to be a little bit farther apart. Uh, and so we've had to create a little bit more space in our ballot center. And uh, fortunately it's worked out. And uh, the, the, our poll workers are great. They have such good attitudes. And they're just careful, um, just following all the guidelines. And, and, and let's go to the, to, to the numbers really quick. Uh, we, we've talked about the security measures, all of the protocols you're following there, and uh, just hats off to, to all the clerks and, and teams tonight. Uh, this is uh, new ground, and I think they're doing an extraordinary job. Uh, you were reporting as of this morning uh, 21,885 uh, ballots that have been processed there uh, for Weber County. How does that compare historically, and what are you anticipating coming in? Well, it's, it's close to record-breaking for the, the cutoff point as of this morning uh, compared to any primary election. Um, we don't know exactly how many we've received in ballot boxes, but it's brisk, and I suspect turnout in Weber will probably be 50 to 60 percent, which is excellent for a primary election. That's very good. No. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we have to move along. Weber County Clerk Ricky Hatch, you have a busy night ahead, and we thank you for spending part of it with us at KSL News Radio.